Amen. Thank you. Glad you're here. Glad you uh, made the effort to be here today. I want to encourage you to, to not only plan on being here, but invite somebody to join you every week as you come to our Thursday uh, men's lunch. Today we're going to continue looking at the Bible-driven man and his home. Uh, if you remember, we started a couple weeks ago. We're in the second week looking at our relationship with our wives. And really the, the foundational relationship of our home for sure is the relationship with our wife. Uh, if you remember last time we looked at uh, the broader subject of marriage. And that's where we started with this big, broad subject of, of marriage. We started in Matthew chapter 19. And if you remember, we saw the people of marriage. That marriage is between one man and one woman. And by God's design, uh, those are the only people who can participate in a marriage. They're the only people that can be married, one man and one woman. That is God's design. And so we saw the people of marriage. Then we saw the plan for marriage. In the same set of verses, uh, the Bible tells us that God's plan for us in marriage is to cleave to one another. Remember, the translation is to actually be glued to one another. In marriage, two flesh, two people become one flesh. Uh, where there were one time two, there is now one. And so there's one organism. There's one unit. And so we have two becoming one, and, and they're glued together, and that is God's plan in marriage. What is this plan for you and your wife? That you would be glued together, and two separate organisms would now be one unit. Then we saw last week the permanence of marriage. And we saw that it is not a temporary thing, but rather it is a covenant before God. And as such, it is to be permanent. What God has joined together, let no man tear asunder. Let no man separate. God joins us together, and the marriage union is to be a permanent union. Now, uh, be sure today as we hear those things again, and as we head into our Bible study today, uh, those things are not a curse. Uh, those things are not a hardship. Those are not things to punish us. God doesn't come along and say, you know what, you're going to be glued to this person and it's going to be a permanent relationship and that's some burden that you're going to have to bear. No, those are blessings of God. That is the best way for us to live. Well, we need to get the perspective. We need to see that God's direction or God's call to obedience in all areas that he is trying to bless us. And so listen, when he's directing us in his word, when he's telling us what he calls of us, uh, that is a blessing to us. That is a great thing for us. This is how best to live. Well, it's no different in this subject. As he's given us these commands, these instructions, he's not trying to curse us or burden us. This is truly the best way to live. Today, we're going to move on and we're going to see our part or our duty if you will, our, our job in the marriage relationship. And, and that is the truth. And sometimes uh, we, we, we're not going to look at that truth, but the truth is God gives us as men a set of requirements that we are responsible for in marriage. As men, God gives us a set of instructions that we are responsible for in our marriages. Really, there is one main direction one main instruction, and there are a bunch of different shapes for that one instruction. And, that, and that's what we're going to look at. Really, he's going to give us one instruction, one direction, and then that direction is going to take a bunch of different shapes. It's going to look like several things. 
So here we go as we start today. As men, we are to, one thing, show honor to our wives. As men, we are to show honor to our wives. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says, And show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. 1 Peter 3, 7 says, We are to show her honor. The word that's used for honor, the original language, means to give value to or, or to pay respect to. That, that first idea, we're to, we're to give a high value to. We're to ascribe value to her. We are to give value to our wives. Now, understand, we're not to, to devalue her. I see a lot of men and, and sometimes hear a lot of men and, and maybe the, the culture itself that devalues our wives, devalues uh, the women that we've married. We're not to devalue them. We are to value them. We're to give them honor. We're to give value to them. That's the main command. That's the main instruction. You want to know what you do in your marriage? You want to know what you're to do with your wife? You are to show honor to your wife. Now, there's two ways that we do this. Two ways that you give value, give honor to your wife. The first way is this. The first way you give honor to your wife is to love your wife. To love your wife. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Listen to this very carefully. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. The word love here, and it's really the key to understanding this, is the word agape, agape love. It is the self-sacrificial serving of another. Now, we need to understand that. We need to hear that. When it says, love your wives, it is agape love. It is self-sacrificial serving of another. The verse says, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, we need to understand something right here. When he says, love your wives... It is not talking about an emotion. We've been trained to think it's an emotion. All the movies we watch, it's an emotion. Oh, there's this great love for this person. It is not an emotion. It is not a feeling. It's not something you feel. Rather, this is an act. So when it says love your wives, it is telling us you give value to your wife. You ascribe value to your wife when you serve your wife sacrificially. So listen, God's call to you, God's direction to you is to serve your wife sacrificially. Serve your wife at your own cost. Now the Bible gives us some ways to express this, some some ways that it looks. Well, we we hear that. You know what? Serve your wife. Serve herself sacrificially. It's not an emotion. Well, what does that look like? The Bible tells us some ways. Verse 29, Ephesians chapter 5 It gives us two words, nourish and cherish. Again, as Christ does the church. You are to nourish your wife and you are to cherish your wife in the same example as Christ does the church. Now, the word nourish means to nurture. It means to bring up. Uh, 
It means to feed or to do the things that bring to health. If you have a tree and you nourish that tree, you water that tree and you fertilize that tree and you protect that tree and that tree turns in to the tree that it should be. Well, it's the same idea. You are to nourish your wife. You are to nurture her, provide all of the things that she could grow into the wife that she is to be. Husband, let me, let me tell you. You are your wife's provider. You are your wife's provider. You are responsible for her provision. Now, what that looks like is this. You are to secure and you are to make available to her all of the things that she needs to be what God has called her to be. Now, let me, let me tell you in the day we're living in, uh, she may choose to work. In most homes now, most, most people, the husband and the wife are both working. She may choose to work, but listen, we need to see this. You are still responsible for a home for her to live in. For the rent to be paid, for the, the payment to be current, you're responsible for the food that she'll eat in that home. You're responsible for the car that she'll drive, for the clothes that she would wear. All of that, listen, rests on you. It is not the responsibility of the government to take care of your wife. It's not the responsibility of the church to take care of your wife. It's not the responsibility of her parents or your parents to take care of your wife. It's not her responsibility to provide those things for herself. You are the provider for your wife. Self-sacrificially, you're to make sure those things are taken care of for her. We live in an age where we say, well, we're both working and we're both chipping in. Listen, that's great if you decide to do that. But listen, the bottom line is the, producing, the production of a house for her to live in rests with you. Clothes to wear, food to eat. That's not a stress she should wear. It is dependent upon you. You're the provider for your wife. It says also to cherish her, to cherish her. Now, the word cherish means to tenderly care for and it literally means this, to keep warm. Now, let me explain that to you. It means her sense of security or her sense of well-being, her emotional well-being is your responsibility. That's what it's saying. You're to cherish her. You, you are to be an encouragement to your wife. You, you are to be uh, the person that would brag on your wife, that would lift up your wife, that would, that would protect your wife, that would, that, would, that would do the things that would build her up as a person. And, and you go through life, and when life is rough, and when life is tough, and the whole world that we're living in would kick you when you're down, when she comes home, listen, you ought to be the encouragement for her. You ought to be the emotional well-being for her. That is to be established in you. Now, let me add another one to that. In 1 Peter, now, this is not one you're going to hear, probably not going to be popular in our age where we say gender is fluid. In 1 Peter, it says, as a weaker vessel. It actually says, as someone who is weaker. Now, I want you to understand, there's two, there's two misinterpretations of this. The first is that her status is weaker, her position. Her, her equality with you, her, her potential, what she could be, or her intellect. Uh, that's been twisted. A lot of folks will say, you know what? She's a weaker vessel and she has a, a lower intellect. She's not able to produce what a man, what I would produce for sure. And that, that has been twisted. 
it actually is talking about her physical weakness. Now, that's not going to be popular in our culture today, but here's the truth. Most of the time, predominantly most of the time, she is physically weaker than her husband. Husband, you are also her protection. She is to be physically safe in your care. She's to be physically safe because of you. It's talking about physically. You know what? There's a threat against my wife, and I don't know that the age we're living in, that this is a big of a threat, but you know what? She is defended by me. She is protected by me. I am my wife's protector. Now, in our age, probably something that's, that's a, a rampant thing is that she would be physically threatened by us. Listen, you're her protection. As a man, she is physically weaker. You're to be your wife's protection. All of those are at your own expense. As Christ served the church, as Christ gave himself for the church, you're to nourish and, church and, and cherish her as Christ did the church. All of those are in that word agape, self-sacrificial. And, and, you, and you sit there and say, well, you know what? Uh, I, I, I don't like that. Well, what, what about me in that equation? Well, we're living in a different age when, when things are equal. What about me? What if, what if she's not doing what she ought to do? What if I don't feel served in this relationship? What if I'm not getting all the things that I ought to get? Listen, there's no talk about you in this. It's about you serving her, self-sacrificially serving her. Well, listen, let me tell you all the things she's done wrong. Let me tell you the things she's not. Listen, that's not in this. You serve her. You're not in this equation. You serve her. You show her honor by loving her. You show her honor by self-sacrificially loving her. I think it's okay to say this. There's probably some guys here that aren't married in the room. Maybe we should say it more frequently. You know what? If that's not what you're about, don't get married. If that's not what you're about, don't get married. You know what, if, if you think you're going to get married and somebody's going to serve you and somebody's going to tiptoe around you and somebody's going to do all the things that you think you ought to have, if that's not what you're about, don't get married. Don't get married. Listen, you, your job is to serve her, love her, agape love for her. Second way that you show her honor, the second way that you give value to her, the first is to love her, we're to, we're to honor her and show her honor. The first way is to love her. The second way is to lead her. Now listen very carefully to this one. This one's, this one's uh, probably misinterpreted and for sure misapplied. The second way that you give value to your wife, that you show her her worth, is you lead your wife. Ephesians 5.23. world doesn't like this verse, but here it is. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. For the husband is the head of the wife. This is talking about our role in our marriage. You are the head of the wife. Now, we could say, you know what? This means you need to submit to me. This means I'm gonna call the shots and you're gonna, you're gonna come along and you're gonna submit to these things. This is actually talking about your role as the spiritual leader of your home, the spiritual leader of your house. Well, what do you mean spiritual leader? 
Here, here's the truth. Here's the, here's the reality. Every decision that you make in your home, every decision that you make as a married couple, every direction that you go is, is posed as the question, does this honor God? Does this honor God? Should we get this car? Does this honor God? What about this neighborhood? Does this honor God? What are we going to do this holiday season? Does this honor God? What are we going to watch on our TV? Does this honor God? Is this in obedience to God? Is this what he's told us to do? Is this in obedience to God? Listen, and here's the deal. You're to lead that. You're to lead that. She's not to lead that. You're to lead that. You're the one that is to set your home's focus on Jesus Christ. The husband is the one to set the focus of this house upon Jesus Christ. You're the one to set the direction of the home according to God's word. Listen, this is what God has said. This is what we're going to do in our home. We're not even going to vote on this. God has said this. You're to lead the direction of your home according to God's word. You're to lead that as the spiritual leader in your home. You're the one to teach your kids about Jesus. Well, my wife will take care of that. Well, we're going to Sunday school. We'll drop them off there. Listen, your job is to teach your kids about Jesus. You're the the spiritual leader in your home. You know what? I'm going to put all of our eyes on Christ, but for sure these impressionable kids, I'm going to be the one to teach them about Jesus. How about this? You're the one that leads your home to be active in your church. You know what? He's he's put us as as believers in this local body and we're going to serve for his glory in this local body. The the husband is the one to say, you know what? It's not up for debate today. We're going to go to church. We're going to participate in the life of the church. You're supposed to lead that, not your wife. You are to lead your wife. You're the spiritual leader of your home. Let Let me tell you the deal here. Sadly, We've given this over. We've given this over. Sadly, we have neglected this. And I'm talking maybe a a couple generations in a row. We've just neglected this. Sadly, we've decided to take a different route. You know what? I'll I'll go a different route. I'm going to do this thing, and somebody else will take care of this. Listen very carefully. The reason is this. We're failing in this area, and here's the reason. It's because you cannot lead where you have not been. You cannot call for what you're not doing. And that's the bottom line. You can't lead a godly home, and that's what God is calling us to do. You can't lead a godly home, and you can't lead our godly wife because we're not living in obedience as godly men. And listen, I'm talking about the entire culture. I'm talking about all the people around us. Look around today. As men, we don't read the Bible today. As men, we don't know the Bible today. As men, we're not shaped and directed in our lives by the the truth of God's word. And so we say, you know what? I don't know the Bible and I'm not reading the Bible. And for sure, don't look at me. I'm not living according to the Bible. So I'll let my wife lead that. I'll let the church lead that. I'll let some youth minister somewhere. I'll let him lead that. Maybe he'll step up. If you're to be the spiritual leader, You have to be a spiritual, godly man. Here's where we're messing it up. All of this comes back full circle to us. That is where we start. It's with us. Some of us here have been married for a while. Some of you are newly married. Some of you may be on your your second marriage, been divorced and trying again. Some of us here may be, be an older guy in your marriage. Some of you may have lost your wife, but you have grandkids and kids you could teach. 
Listen, it starts with us. It starts with you. Let me tell you the greatest thing your wife could hear. I'm going to promise you this. The greatest thing your wife could hear is you praying. Greatest thing your wife could hear is say, listen, baby, we need to pray today. And before we leave this house, we're going to pray. You know what? We go to bed. I'm going to lead us in prayer again. The greatest thing your wife could hear is when you're in the living room and things are stressful that she hears you praying. The, the greatest thing she could ever see is that you get down off your busy, your busy life and you get on the level with your kids and you pray with your kids. Well, this is what's going on. Well, let's take it to the Lord in prayer. The greatest thing your wife could ever hear is you praying. Let me tell you the greatest thing your wife could ever see is you with your Bible open. Well, Dad Gum, I've got to submit to this guy and he's going to lead my home and he's going to lead our finances and he's going to lead these kids and I don't know which way he's going, but I just turn the corner and he's sitting there with the Bible open. The greatest thing your wife could see is you sitting there with your Bible open, reading your Bible. The greatest thing she could ever do is, is walk by the kids' room at night and look in there and you're sitting there and you've got the Bible open with your kids. The greatest thing you could model is that both of those things impact how you live. You know what? God has said it, and so this is what we'll do. You know what? I'm not a hypocrite at my job, and I'm not a hypocrite at my home. And if God has said this is how we live, this is how we live. It all starts with us. We can come, and I'm not going to say a thing about wives here. I'm not going to go through their responsibilities. It all starts with us. You cannot lead where you have not gone. You cannot call for what you're not willing to do. It all starts with us. Here's the good news. As we sit in this room, you know what it can start today. God, forgive me where I've been off track. God, forgive me where I've wasted a whole lot of years. But you know what? I'm getting ready to start praying with my wife. You know what? I'm, I'm going to open my Bible, and she's going to know where I'm leading is led by the Word of God. You know what? I'm going to grab those kids and my wife, and we're going to go to church where the Bible's preached, taught. You know what? My wife is going to see a consistency. It starts right here. You know what? Good news. It can start today. Wherever you're at, it can start today. Greatest joy in your home is you go home and say, you know what? Things are getting ready to look a lot different around here. It can start today. The good news, it starts today. We have as much potential as any day we've ever lived. We have to be godly, God-honoring, spirit-filled followers of Jesus Christ, and it shows up in our homes. That's the only hope. Glad you're here today. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, and I'm thankful for your grace shown to dumb people like me. I'm thankful for your your plan that stands, though the world rails against it, that it stands and it stands and it stands. I'm thankful for the truth that still shapes, that still draws us in, changes our hearts, has the power to change us, to make us holy as you've called us to be. I'm thankful for the homes you've blessed us with. And as I look across this room, I'm thankful for some new marriages, and I pray they'd be shaped by the Word of God. I'm thankful for some long-lasting marriages, the truth of, of, of the blessing of that. I'm thankful for some, some guys here that, that they finished their race, their wife maybe has passed on, but now they're teaching kids and they're teaching grandkids. You know what? Here's the truth, and it stood all those years. Lord, I pray for my marriage. I pray for my home. And I pray I never speak words that I wouldn't live out. I never would, never would claim and call for something I wouldn't put into practice. And then, Lord, I pray that our wives are blessed through this endeavor. I pray that they are honored. 
I pray that they are encouraged. I pray that they are lifted up. I pray that they're free to be what you've called them to be, that they exalt Jesus Christ. Bless our wives and let it start with us. Lord, we love you, we worship you, and we praise you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.